Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 50. After our weekly segments, we are going to talk about food journaling. Let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear. Don't forget, all the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Welcome, Andrea. Hey, Beth. How are you? I'm good. How was your Thanksgiving? It was really good. It was, we had a little Friendsgiving and then Adam and I were like, we just really like Thanksgiving food. So we're just going to continue this on into the weekend. And we, I made a green bean casserole and then there's a co-op that makes like delicious food. And for the past few years, we've gotten most of our Thanksgiving food ready made from them because it's like so good and it's all like organic and it's not really not that expensive. So we just went back there on Friday and I was like, I'm going to buy more Thanksgiving food. And so we ate Thanksgiving food all weekend. It was great. How about you? I ate quite a bit. We uh, went to my parents on Thursday and then on Friday we hosted. So I made a turkey on Friday and I made all the dishes and that was really fun. It was a lot of work, but it was really fun uh, to make all of that. And then I single-handedly ate all of the leftovers because... My husband's not a huge leftover fan, so I got to eat them all. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanksgiving leftovers are the best. And honestly, it was actually really nice knowing that we were going to, like I knew when we were at my friend's house that we we had already bought Thanksgiving for ourselves too, because I I was like, I don't know what food's going to be there. I like my certain food. And I feel like it made me at each, at the many Thanksgiving meals I ate, I like didn't, I never like went crazy because it was like... I know I have tons more and I know I can continue eating this. So like took away that, like I need to eat all of the cranberry sauce now because I won't have it again for a year. (laughs) It's kind of nice. You know, I realize that my daughter will eat just about anything that's dipped into the cranberry relish that my mom makes and was like, Oh, look at how much turkey she's eating with the side of cranberries. I should do this all the time. They have, they sell cranberries in the freezer section all year round. I should just do that. Do they around you? Because they do not around me. I'm pretty sure in the freezer section they do. Uh, Not fresh. I thought they did. They do not. It's only around Thanksgiving time, around me at least, because I the exact same thing last year is I made some stuff for Remy and he loved it. And then and then they didn't sell it anymore. And I was like, what? So I need to go like buy a whole bunch this weekend. Yeah. I well I'm curious. I'm gonna like try to remember to look into yeah, this next time. I couldn't I couldn't find any more. I, I looked. Anyways. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to our real mom moment of the week. What's your mom moment of the week this week? Sorry. <laughs> For some reason, I did not realize I was going first, guys. My bad. I paused myself. Um, mine is, ironically enough, mom brain. So perfect. <laughs> so I have just been... I don't know, noticing with certain things. Like, my mom brain is so bad, and I know it's, like, a real thing. And I feel like when I'm on point and whatever, I'm good. But, man, when I am, like, not on point, it's so bad. And so Remy's in the stage where he points to everything constantly and wants to know what it's called. And so I think it's just gotten to this point where it's just very, like, mindless. Yep, that's a light again. Yep, that's a train, you know. And the other day, every now and then now, he'll like point to something and it takes me like 
way too long to come up with the name of a common household object. Like he'll point to a spoon and I'm like, that's a, a spoon. I'm like, why did that take me so long? <laughs> but the other day he was pointing to something in his book and he, he'll, he'll like repeatedly point to the same thing. And kind of out of the corner of my eye, I like thought he was pointing to the train, but he was really pointing to the robot. And all of a sudden I could hear him just like mashing down in his book because I was kind of like spacey thinking about something else. And he's looking at me like, the hell's wrong with you, mom? And I looked down and there was not what he was pointing to. He was, I forget which one he was pointing to, but it, it was just so funny how like he knew, like I was surprised that he was like, mom, that is not a train. That is a robot. Like what is wrong with you? But he can't talk at all. So it's just like amazing how much smarter he is than me sometimes. <laughs> Oh, oh yes <laughs> this will get this will your child will continue to get smarter than you yeah uh, so I had you go first because I decided to change mine and I needed to think about it for a minute so I my real mom moment of the week was last night and my daughter's been great with going to the bathroom for the most part but once in a while, when we ask her to go, we we want her to just go. That's the doctor recommended that even if like, you know, if it's been a few hours and she hasn't gone, just to have her go. Like that's just gonna help. It'll prevent her from having accidents, which then kind of spiral out of control because she gets upset about them. So it'd been a few hours. So I was like, we're gonna go to the bathroom before dinner. Well, actually, what I do is I say, hmm, what do we need to do before dinner? Because if she says it, she's more likely to go. But then her response is, I don't want to go potty. Right? So it's like, no, we're going. And then I uh, carry her into the bathroom. And I can't force her to sit on the on the toilet, right? I mean, she's four. She's pretty strong. So we're, sit- we're standing in the bathroom. And she's screaming bloody murder at me. And, of course, the bathroom. I don't know if your bathrooms are like this. But I feel like vents in the bathroom, like heat vents, work the best. So in this, like, tiny little bathroom with the door closed so she can't get out, it's sweltering hot. I'm, like, sweating. And she's like, oh, I'm so hot. I'm like, we cannot leave until you go to the bathroom. <laughs> and, uh, and then totally randomly out of the blue, she stops crying and says, you know, my teacher says that you can eat real ice. No <laughs> idea. Then she started crying again. I eventually got her to go to the bathroom. And we went, and she was like, I'm so hot. No, I'm so cold. The toilet's so cold. I'm like, yep, yep, nope, we're just going to go, and then we can leave. And I felt a little bad about it, but also... A lot of times, those are situations where I just want to be like, fine, you know what, you don't have to go, but I know that's not what she needs. She needs to to have that boundary set to know that this is what she needs to do. Um, it was kind of an emotional experience for me, but then I had uh, Mom's Night Out last night, which is what I was going to talk about, uh, like a women's book club, and I had an amazing time, and it was great, and I recovered very nicely from our screaming fest in the bathroom. <laughs> That's awesome, and I can't say I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> but it sounds like a funny moment to look back on, so that's great. <laughs> Kids choose their power struggles, mine chooses her potty, and you yep. know what? They know which one gets us the most. Well, that's probably why they choose it. <laughs> All right, so I'll go first for our tip of the week this week. My tip of the week is to keep a bag of bones, which I know sounds a little weird and a little bit creepy. But so 
because we just had Thanksgiving, I know you guys are going to be hearing this right, oh gosh, maybe Christmas, oh no, the week before, oh Christmas Eve maybe, no, sorry, I'm thinking the 10th. I think it should be on the 10th of December. So you've got plenty of time to prepare for Christmas. And if you're making any kind of turkey or things with bones in them, if you don't have enough bones to make a stock, just keep them in a bag, keep them in the freezer, and then add to them. I know I think I've said before, just make two chickens. Well, you don't always want to do that. So what I did with the turkey is I wasn't ready. Like I, I spatcocked it. So I cut the spine out and I had the neck and I put them in a bag and then I waited till the carcass was done and then I had um, a knuckle bone in the freezer so I was able to put all that together and make this amazingly delicious broth even though it might not have been enough bones for um, a really sturdy broth to begin with so I really like just keeping a bag of bones in the freezer any kind of bones chicken and like after you cook something just throw them all in and then when you get enough then you can make some broth that's awesome yeah I used to do that when we ate more things with bones in it and for whatever reason I think now that we have our cow we don't really get, I think he gives us some bones, but it's like, we just don't have like cuts with bones in it very much. But anyways, it's a great thing. Now I kind of miss doing good stuff now that it's cold out. Um, my tip of the week is kind of holding on, like get rid of things you are holding on to because you paid money for them and you feel guilty about getting rid of it. Um, this was inspired by two patients of mine recently in the physical therapy clinic that have back pain from their new mattresses that they spent a lot of money on and are now trying to get physical therapy instead of getting rid of their mattress. <laughs> like I have one patient, both him and his wife, I see both of them, will have separately because they've gotten sick or something, will sleep in their other their other guest bedroom. And they're like, oh, the mattress in there is so much better. We both sleep so much better. And I'm like, why don't you switch it out then? Like if you both like it better, like, well, we just, this one we paid so much for. <laughs> and they've had it for three or four years now. It's not even like it's new to like, you know, or you're just breaking it in. And both of them, like I've talked to them about both of this on separate occasions. They're just being so stubborn about it. And I was like, we will help you because my husband and I know them. I'm like, we will help you move it. Like, oh my gosh. But it's just so funny how we do that. And I was like, man, I totally do that with certain things because it got me thinking about it. Like I have certain clothes that I bought recently. I mean, in the past six months or so, and my body is just still changing. I think it now it's stable, but it's like, maybe I thought it looked good when I bought it or it looked good when I bought it, but they just don't look good anymore. I just put them on and they like hang weird. And I'm like, but I just bought them. Like I just spent, and I spent money on this, you know, I don't want to get rid of them. But really it's like when you have those things that just kind of drag down your energy just donate them, get rid of them. You can try and sell them if you want, like if it's something that's worth selling, but honestly, most of the time it's not. And especially if it's not even worth selling, that's probably a great sign you should get rid of it anyways. So that's all, just get rid of those things. Like you already spent the money. You may as well just get rid of it. I'm all in for that. I am, I love throwing things away and getting rid of things. It was like my most exciting thing about having a second child or, and and now being done, officially done having kids is that I get to get rid of everything afterwards. I am not storing, nothing is going into my basement after this. Like I have a box of like little newborn baby clothes that I'm going to, my sister-in-law asked me to save them, but she's going to hold them because I'm not going to hold them. I don't know if she knows this yet, but she she's going to take them because 
you know, if she wants me to keep them, she can keep them. Oh, that seems fair enough. Yeah, I'm already getting rid of all Remy stuff. I'm giving them all to my coworker. She's like, where did you have room to store this? I'm like, why do you think I'm giving them to you now? <laughs> I mean, we have room under our stairs, but yeah, I just, it feels so nice to like have most of it out. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm excited mm-hmm. to get the entire wall of my garage back. Or not garage basement. We have one wall. It's all baby stuff and like oh my all my all my daughter's stuff. And like as she grows out of things, they go in a bin and they go down there, and then they'll come mm-hmm. out, and then they won't go back down again. Yep. Nice. So let's move on to our topic of the week. Our topic of the week is food journaling, and Andrea wants to tell us a better way to journal and keep track of food. All right. So most people, when they think of food journal, probably feel some like dread in their hearts because it sucks to food journal and like track your calories and measure your food. So I do not do this type of food journaling with my clients for a few reasons. One, that it is really tedious and annoying to do, but also I don't find it helpful. And that is the way more important reason. Because ultimately tracking your food intake on something like MyFitnessPal or just something that's pure calorie tracking, it doesn't give you any information on what's really important to change. Like the only thing you can change from tracking calories is calories and maybe macros, but that's it. So it's going off the basis that like how your body is operating in that moment or whatever you're trying to change is based completely off of calories. And that's just not true. And so for more, if you're listening to this and you're like, wait, what do you mean? I thought calories in calories out was like how you lose weight. Go back and check out our episodes 12 and 26. They're on like restrictive diets and fad diets. Um, and just using weight as, or not using weight as your only measurement of health. And you'll learn more about that because we had a whole whole episodes that were talking about, you know, these concepts. So other reasons I'm not a big fan of just food tracking is you can't really see patterns very well because when you put them into my fitness pal, if you're looking back on it, like that day, yeah, sure, you might be able to notice things. But if you're looking back a week, you don't remember when you had that banana that's listed under your snack, you know, so you don't know if you ate it first thing in the morning or, you know, later on in the evening. And so if you're trying to track any symptoms or anything like that, it's really hard to see patterns um, and correlate them. Like you would still have to write it out separately in a journal. Like there's nowhere to like put that in your food journal. Um, You also can't see times you ate. So you don't see these patterns of like, I know when I I would do my fitness pal, like way back when I was a huge snacker. And so I would end up with like eight things under my snack category. But it's again, it's like looking back, it's like, well, when am I snacking? I just really had no concept of that if you're trying to go back and analyze. Um, And that timing, food timing can be very, very important for blood sugar regulation. So instead, when you can learn how to listen to your body, which really includes hunger and fullness, along with other indicators I'm going to talk about, we can gain so much more insight to how what we eat affects us. And it gives us way more room to play with because sometimes you can eat the exact same thing, but shift around the when you're eating it. And that can make all the difference in the world. But again, if your only focus is calories and macros, then 
that's all you really, you know, are given room to change. So, um, I gave some examples. Like the other thing is if you again are looking back and you're like, Oh my God, wow. That day I ate like three Lara bars. What was I thinking? Like you might not remember the fact that you had made yourself this amazing chili and your toddler spilled it right before you guys had to go. And so you spent all this time cleaning up and then you had to cram it down to go make an appointment on time. You know, it's like those kinds of things matter. You don't see that you ate those, you know, stressed out in the car (laughs) or something like that. Um, or like if you had a huge workout and then you ate this like 800 calorie breakfast. So again, if you're looking back on a day and you're like, why did I eat like 3000 calories that day? Well, maybe that day you had this crazy workout and you went on a hike and you like did all these crazy activities. So you were extra hungry that day. Um, because ultimately calories change day to day. Like the needs are not going to be the same depending on if you're laying on the couch sick versus up and active and doing all kinds of things. So one of the first things I teach people how to do is just listening to their own hunger and fullness. And this is not as obvious or simple. I mean, it's simple, but it's not as obvious as it sounds, I guess. Um, Most of us do not really recognize our true hunger and fullness as well as we think we do. And so I just challenge you to listen in on this and then like start trying to name it yourself and see how, see how good or accurate you feel like you can be. Because I think we all have this feeling of hunger that isn't necessarily true hunger, but we don't know it until we think about it. Don't you d- judge me in my podcast snack. <laughs> I didn't even realize you were eating snack. I was looking at my notes. <laughs> I love it. Keep going. Um, so I am will include a download to the food journal that I give my clients that I give to all my clients in the uh, show notes. So definitely download this and you can look along with this or you can print it out for yourself and do it for yourself. So on it, on there is this hunger scale. So it's one to 10 and one is you are crazy starving. Like you cannot think of anything but food. You are like, can't even think straight. Um, number two is um, your stomach could be rumbling, you're uncomfortable, you're just too hungry. Um, three is you're ready to eat now, as in you're probably sitting down to eat. Four, slightly hungry, you could eat food if it was in front of you. Five, just kind of neutral. Six, you have food in your stomach, you might be usually like halfway through a meal at this point. Seven is you're full, but you're not too full. Usually this is like the perfect stopping point. Eight, yeah, that's like that, you know, maybe a couple bites too many. Starting to be like, wow, maybe I didn't need that. Um, Nine is you are stuffed. This is like usually, you know, post Thanksgiving, your clothes are tight and you need to unbutton your pants. And 10, if you like to go cray cray on Thanksgiving, that's that. Like you are sick and in pain. Um, You ate way too much. So is that, that all sounding good, Beth, so far? Yeah, definitely. I I can relate to just about every single one of those. So yeah. Awesome. When, um, and I always like, like to ask my clients of like, okay, when would you, what would your ideal time be to eat, start eating food? And so usually I hear like between three and four, you know, like you're ready to eat now or like slightly hungry. And really it just depends on, on you and how you know your body. There's no perfect answer. And so the other thing that I have people track 
um, besides hunger and fullness is satisfaction. So a lot of people confuse satisfaction with fullness, but they are absolutely not the same thing um, because satisfaction means you are satisfied with what you're eating. Uh, I like to give the example of going to one of those like super fancy restaurants where it's like ridiculously expensive and you get these like tiny morsels of food that are super delicious, but like you never leave full. Like if my husband and I go to something like that, we don't really anymore, honestly, because <laughs> it's so expensive. And then we leave and like we both like are like, oh my God, that was so good. My husband's like, all right, let's stop at a burger place. I need more food. <laughs> So like that is a great example of when you can be very satisfied, but not full. And then I think we all know the feeling of being really full and not satisfied of when you are just like, why the hell did I eat that entire bag of potato chips or whatever it was that you ate? And it's just, you're very full, but you're just not satisfied. I come across mm-hmm. that one more if I don't have enough of like some sort of like palatable, some sort of palate taste in my meal. So if I don't have enough fat or enough salt or even enough like sweetness in my meal, mm-hmm. it's like that part of my taste sensitivity hasn't been reached and I need to still satisfy it. Yeah, no, that's such a great example. And realizing this is so important because I think I feel like it's better now especially with like, I guess like more like our age, I think most people like recognize hopefully that healthy food can taste really good. But I think especially, you know, I mean, maybe you don't know that yet. So this might apply to you, but especially the older generation, like when I have older clients, I notice this, it's like this association with health food tasting like cardboard and just like being completely tasteless and mushy and boring and just like, thick. um, And ultimately, if you think that about food or you have this, you know, impression in your mind that eating healthy is eating tasteless food, then like it's not going to be sustainable. Like if you don't like what you're eating, you're not going to keep eating it for the rest of your life. So like having satisfaction with your food is so important. Recognizing if you you like that little extra bit of salt or savory or like whatever your taste buds kind of need is really important. Because especially when we're trying to like manage having, you know, it's around holiday times, like manage all these like cookies and desserts and like things around you that you're free to eat. But if you're like me, you don't feel good if you just freely eat them with, you know, mindlessly. Like I don't feel good when I do that. So when my taste buds are satisfied through my meals, I don't feel those cravings nearly as much. So it's just important to be very satisfied. Uh, So sum it up so far. When we really honor our hunger, it really helps us balance blood sugar. It really helps you realize, like, when is a good time to sit down and eat a meal? Not necessarily just eating because the clock says it's time to eat. So in order to do that, you have to feel what it's like to actually be hungry. Um, And then the other benefit to honoring fullness is you avoid overeating. So that can absolutely lead to weight loss, but it can also lead to a lot better energy because when you overeat, it's very taxing to your system. And Beth's dog is adorable right now, I just have to say. (laughs) So cute. (laughs) She really wants attention, so I'm listening. You should know. You're good. She's so cute. Um, I want to pet her. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then the benefits of satisfaction is just eating in a sustainable way for the rest of your life and not feeling like you're depriving yourself. So I also have my clients track other things. So one of the other things is mood. So what type of mood are you in when you sit down to eat? 
Um, being stressed or anxious is not really a mood. It's kind of a state of mind. So if you want to write stress down in that box, you can write it down, but then put like an underlying reason of why you're stressed. So it's like, I'm stressed because I've been rushing around or I'm stressed because my boss just said this or I'm stressed because my toddler just did this. So kind of having that like underlying emotion or reason is really helpful. Um, otherwise, I tend to get food journals that just say stressed at every mood. And it's just it's helpful to see that you're stressed every time. But it's, you know, kind of it's a little harder to then go back and be like, OK, what was going on? So um, and then there's comments just having room to write in things you notice. So like, oh, an hour after I ate this meal, I just kept burping or had really bad gas or my stomach cramped or I was really, really tired afterwards. It's just nice to have that space to write and things like that, that we you know just can't have a nice neat box for. And then obviously we want to know what you're eating. I don't ask for calories or measurements, but you know, knowing the difference between like three almonds and eating an entire bag is obviously helpful. So, you know, I just leave that up to my clients, just up to you to figure out how to mark that the best, if that makes sense to write, you know, certain more details in, or if you're good and you kind of just know how much you tend to eat, but you don't need, you can just write chicken, sweet potatoes and some kale with a side of whatever, you know? And then at the top of my food journal, and a lot of times, depending on how you want to fill it out, you might fill out some of the top portion first. It doesn't matter. But I have an area to for some additional questions. So one thing that's up there, well, that would be at the end of the day, is putting in your time to bed and then your, well, then your wake-up time. But then also the number of bowel movements and how much water you drink, uh, just so you're tracking those things. And then my favorite part are two questions on there which I like to do these at the one of them at the beginning and one at the end of the day so one of them is what do you want or need most today and then the second one is what are you grateful for today so answering these questions connects us back to ourselves and why we are doing this like why we are spending time filling this out because Ultimately, it still is going to take time to fill out this journal. It still does have a little tediousness to this to have to fill out your food with every, you know, meal for a cup. You know, you don't have to do this every day. This is more of like a, you know, do it here and there for a couple days in a row just to see where you are if you feel like something's off. But when we just track calories, it just really disconnects us from our body. It turns us into these machines like I need to eat, you know, 1800 calories a day and I'm not there yet. Oh my gosh, I need to find something that's 50 more calories to eat or like, oh, I overate, you know, I don't know. It's just this very disconnected sense here. But when we connect back to like why we are doing this, we are human with a soul. Okay. And it's amazing how it shifts like everything, just the way you approach your day when you take that time to be like, what do I actually need today? What do I want and this isn't about food, although you can totally answer it with a food question if that's what you want. But for example, when I was filling this out for myself, I was just getting back to working on my business postpartum. And I would like wake up and go to fill this out and be like, oh, yeah, like I want to work on my business and stuff. But like I always like take a step back and breathe and then I'd go to fill out. And every time, like when I just allowed what I really needed to come out, it would be like sleep. I just need to sleep. <laughs> like, I'm just tired because 
I have a toddler that doesn't, or a baby at this point that, you know, isn't sleeping. And so just being able to connect back to that every morning, because that was my answer for a long time, was just so helpful for how I approached the rest of the day. It just kind of gave it this more like gentleness to how I approached the day. And it just, you know, indirectly changed how I approached food, just how, just how I approached everything. And I really feel like that was a, such a key part to, I don't know, me feeling like I've done really well postpartum, just being able to connect back to me and not just looking at how do I lose this extra baby weight. So um, again, we've included a copy of it for you that you can download so you can check it out and try it out. It's really powerful to do. Like you just do it. If you're kind of like, man, this all sounds boring or I can do it in my head, just try writing it out like for like three days. It's really amazing what comes out when you put pen to paper and it is a print out for a reason. It really is just, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of studies that just show that the brain works differently when you're putting pen to paper. So I very much encourage that. Any questions or comments, Beth? That was awesome. I was going to ask how long should people try this for? Because I think that it's important for people to know this isn't something you're supposed to do every day for the rest of your life. Like this is to give yourself information. And you just said, try it for three days. I mean, I think my response would be three days to a week at most, you know, maybe two weeks. If you're really, you know, if every day is kind of sporadic and you're having trouble to seeing patterns, but not only do you want to keep these notes down, you also want to look back and then look for the patterns and look for the things that, Oh, you know what? I felt really good on these days, but, I didn't feel good on these days and oh you don't always see those you you definitely don't see those patterns with with calorie tracking and um I think that you can always keep up with those last two questions that you mentioned that's something that you can you know kind of tone your your journal down into it might be a nice way to get into journaling itself as you know what hey I'm willing to do this food journal to see how food's making me feel and then let's progress into just you know, checking in with my body. And then I would see the natural kind of progression be before you reach into that pantry, you think, where am I on that hunger scale? You know what? I I am hungry. I do need something, but do I need what I'm reaching for or do I need something else? And do I have time to make that and that kind of thing? So I think it just makes you a little bit more self-aware when you do uh, spend a little extra time to do this for a food journal. And I might say you may not want to do it over the holidays. That may be one of your New Year's resolutions is food journaling. And I think that's a great thing that you can say, hey, I'm going to food journal for five days in January. And that's a trackable goal. It's an accountable goal. And there's no pre- like either do it or you don't. It's not like I'm going to lose five pounds where you really don't have your body is, is gonna has a little bit more control over that than you do and so I think that that's something that yeah I would I would definitely I, I love it I think it's great awesome yeah I think um for time I think like you said it might take obviously it's usually gonna take more than three days to see patterns I always tell people to start with three days because it feels very doable <laughs> And then it's like, you can see, okay, usually it feels kind of good to do it. And people like uncover really cool things. Um, I love like when my clients come back to me, like the session after doing it, this, they like have all these like amazing insights and it's just really cool to see. And then some struggle a little bit. Some are like, okay, I did this. I just, am really not seeing a pattern. And then usually I'll analyze it for them and I can 
sometimes find patterns that they didn't quite connect just because I know like what certain foods can do or like timing of foods can do where they don't know that yet. But the emotional patterns they see are really cool um, to do. And those usually I can't even, I can't always pick up on the food journal just because they like recognize it as they're writing it in um, more so. But that's how I discovered, I forget if I've talked about it on the podcast, that I was a giant procrastinator. And that I would just eat to procrastinate because I would be in the pantry and I would, you know, I was writing this down. So I was like, okay, well, how hungry am I really? And I'm like, I'm not even hungry. I'm at like a seven right now. (laughs) I'm trying to eat, but it's like when I'm writing down my mood, it's like, oh, it was this pattern of, oh, every time I'm like, you know, reaching for these certain foods when I'm really not hungry, it's because I'm trying to avoid doing something I don't want to do. And it took me, it took me, you know, I don't know how long it took me to realize it, a couple days, maybe a week or something like that. And it's changed. Like, it's amazing how just doing it, though, for like less than a week has completely changed that habit, like how much more aware I am of it, even though I'm not, again, writing this down now anymore. Um, I'll occasionally pull this out and do it. Yeah, when I'm feeling like really off. But um once you do it and connect to it, it is kind of cool just how much more mindful you are. So, yeah. That's awesome. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. Next week, we are going to have Dr. Aaron on again to talk about permanent birth control. Follow us on social media for news, updates, and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Beats of Real Eats and Andrea at Dr. Andrea Moore on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast-related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com.